Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted once again to be joined by Natasha Mikkel and also Lawrence Connolly for the Axon Bulletin. Uh, we were told to brace ourselves for an announcement this morning, Natasha. Was it a bit of a, uh, a letdown or are you quite happy with the way things are developing? I mean, yeah, it's good that we're seeing some movement with Mackay coming in earlier. Um, you know, with all businesses, high-level individuals leaving, joining, integration is key. And it's good that we're going to get this handover process of them coming in earlier before Lawwell leaves. Um, but I think a lot of fans were expecting an announcement on someone else today. You know, after the buzz on Friday, I think, you know, we were 
more of a when rather than if we were going to get the announcement about how and it doesn't seem like that's happening today so there is a bit of concern starting to sneak in um, like we were talking about on Friday over the weekend it seems like a done deal but the longer there's no announcement it's a bit of a concern about what these holdups are why is there no announcement um, and that bit of doubt starts to creep in so I think the fans would like to hear something sooner rather than later before more of these concerns creep up and people start to get a bit uneasy um, and yeah, what, what are these holdups? What are these hold- hurdles we're trying to overcome? The rumours over the weekend, or certainly yesterday, is that it's over this director of football or head of football operations or technical director role. How is everyone going to fit together? If we're already relatively far down the line with Harkin, is that an issue for how? Does he want to bring his own people in? So yeah, a few concerns starting to creep up, I think. I was loath to mention any negatives um, last week, <laughs> especially when uh, it looked as though Eddie Howe was you know, incoming. Uh, you'd, you'd had these discussions, he was the candidate that the club wanted, and I just didn't want to look at any negatives because, you know, it's the last thing we need, actually, as Celtic fans mm-hmm. at this this moment in time. We're looking at all these changes. The big uh, CEO change is afoot. Dominic Mackay has announced, Celtic have announced rather, that he's coming in in a couple of weeks' time. He'll start his position as the CEO on the 1st of July. And I've said in the past, I'll come over to, to Lawrence because, I mean, Lawrence, you'll remember, like myself, you know, Fergus coming in and the size of the task that faced him when he came into Celtic. And I remember in an earlier interview that we did with David Lowe David saying there was a a moment in time where they were both standing in an office at Celtic Park looking out um, and you know, Celtic fans were queuing up to buy shares and the magnitude of the job that they had taken on, um, if they didn't know the size of it before, they certainly did at that stage. You know, People were coming in with their savings to buy shares and make sure that they could be part of this rebuild. Now, it's a completely different rebuild, Lawrence. I mean, it's not as though... Um, like back then it was a financial issue where we were staring down the barrel of a gun we were saved from uh, financial distress by Fergus McCann this is completely different but when you're looking at it some of the positions that Natasha's already mentioned director of football um, technical director or do we have a director of football and a head of recruitment uh, we'd certainly need a head coach and then all the coaching staff that comes with that and that's not just the football side of it all the technical staff that will come with that and that's before we look at the player overall and that, that will happen um, in a post-Covid post-Brexit landscape so Lawrence uh, it's some size of job he's taken on is it not? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, but, you know, Mackay will have done his, his due diligence, won't he? he, he he'll understand what he's walking into. Uh, he'll know his own capabilities, his strengths and weaknesses, and, and, and what he can bring to the role. And Celtic will have, you know, done similar. What the hold-ups are, as Natasha said, you know, the rumours over the weekend, it's, you know, is it Fergal Harkin? Is it Richard Hughes? Who's going to step in? Apparently, we've not got the, the back uh, to Tognieri now. So there's still a few names kicking about. Of, well, is it director of football? Is it technical director? Surely we've decided the structure, or is the structure going to be decided by the incoming head coach and coming manager? Is that the problem that we've decided the structure that perhaps the incoming manager wants to tweak a bit? 
Well, one thing you said there in relation to Dominic Mackay coming in, and yeah, I'm sure he has, obviously, as the club have done, uh, all the due diligence. Do you think the fact he's coming in early, Natasha, is an indication that he's coming in early to ensure that the Eddie Howe um, uh, appointment doesn't fall at the last hurdle? Maybe, maybe he's needing to come in to see it over the line. Um, I'm concerned that he has done his due diligence. He's taken one look around and thinks he needs to come in months earlier, um, which wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Fair play to him. Um, but I'm, I am a little concerned if the how deal needs Mackay to come in to get it over the line. Um, what can that possibly entail that can't be done before Mackay gets in? Um the concern for me about, you know, Mackay coming in early, well, it's good. You know, he's not going to be the one or he should not be the one making the footballing decisions. That's where we need to get a move on. Um, like we've touched on, we need these people in like the head coach, the technical director, the head of football operations, whatever it's going to be. They're the people we need in place now. So while it's good that Mackay's coming in early, we need the footballing staff in early because Mackay shouldn't be having an influence over that. Yes, he'll have an influence over who these people are going to be, um, who the head coach is and things like that. But the footballing decisions need to start getting made as soon as possible. And that's not Mackay's role. So maybe him coming in earlier is going to get some deals over the line in terms of directors and head coaches and whatever the setup's going to look like. Um, but, you know, he's not coming in, you know, until you know, mid-April, you know, so we're still a couple of weeks away from that. Does that mean any announcement on a head coach or technical directors or head of operations? Is that going to be another couple of weeks away? Because the clock is ticking. Um, and if we're waiting on Mackay coming in to make these decisions and announcements, it just gets moved further down the line. And we can't afford to move anything further down the line at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see an announcement on perhaps how we're or Harkin or whoever it's going to be I think the fans would like that announcement to be this week um, even if that means before Mackay comes in so I've still got my fingers crossed for that well, I think when you when you look at the date, you know, the, the 19th of April, you think, well, we're all geared up for the big announcements uh, coming in in the football sense. I don't think we can wait two weeks, and I don't mean that in an impatient way. I just think mm. we can't uh, wait two weeks because there will be other clubs looking at this situation. There will be other clubs looking at the fact that Eddie Howe is uh, a prime candidate for a number of jobs, I would suggest, um, that are available or about to become available in English football. Um, it it was. It's my understanding that he's he's been offered numerous jobs uh, in the last nine months at Championship level. I think now there are other clubs within the Premiership down south looking at someone like Eddie Howe. Um, it was interesting this morning. Before I ask you this one, uh, Lawrence, I'm digging that T-shirt. Incidentally, uh, that you must have got on the black market. So uh, tell me where you got. Tell me where you got it, so I can get one. Penalty spot in Sod Street, which obviously COVID is closed, but it's still available online, mate. Oh, uh, excellent. Speak to Kevin at the penalty spot. Or somebody out there might want to buy me one as a wee gift. Um, but Eddie Howe, so I woke up this morning, I'd heard all the same rumours as everyone else. You're trying to add two and two together and you think, right, seven o'clock this morning, an announcement. It didn't quite happen. Then, obviously, we hear that Dominic Mackay is coming in early. I think that's brilliant. Um as we've already heard on this podcast, he's already started to engage with Celtic supporters, which I think is fantastic. You know, we heard that last Monday uh, on the, the bulletin, that he's phoning Celtic supporters at home, which is tremendous, because I, I actually can't, and it's no disrespect to any individual, I can't 
um, ever see a time where I'd be sitting in my living room and Peter Lowell would give me a wee phone just to make sure everything was okay. I don't think that was ever going to happen. But the fact that Dominic McKay's already done that prior to being in position, astounding, great start. And, and that's only one occasion that we're aware of. There could be other occasions where he's getting in touch with Celtic fans, he's engaging with them, he, he's trying to get an idea and build a picture um, of how we're feeling, um, how disenchanted we have been over the last 12 months or so. So, Lawrence, I was watching it with interest this morning, the news coming through, and there was an interview, there was a couple of interviews actually with uh, Simon Francis and also David James. Now you remember um, in Neil Lennon's early days, he tried to sign David James, um, excellent goalkeeper in his day. I always, I was always a, a fan of David James, and both of them were talking about their uh, memories of Eddie Howe whilst both players were at Bournemouth. Quite interestingly, David James said that um, his understanding of people is second to none. Um, he's tactically superb and he's within the top two managers that he ever worked with. The other one being Harry Redknapp. So, David James uh, obviously holds Eddie Howe in high esteem, but it, there was a caveat to this, and it was that uh, should Celtic drag their heels any longer, there might be an issue, because clubs in England are watching this situation with interest. Um, if, indeed, it is all around the director of football, and the fact that Celtic may be further down the line with their own choice, as has also been suggested today. Do we go with Eddie Howe and go with his men? Uh, listen, Gordon Strachan touched on it as, as well, but it may be Howe dragging his feet. We don't know. I mean, Strachan said Howe's agent will be out there now going, listen, I've got a firm offer from Celtic. Can any use beat it? It's, it's, it's the market we live in. It's, uh, do we go with Howe's men? It depends what promises you've made to, to other people. If, if someone else has been promised the job and it's a kind of difficult situation from where, for him if he's currently in employment, he's told his managers, by the way, I'm going to Celtic or it's out there that he's going to Celtic and then Celtic come back and go, actually, we know we made you a promise that it was yours, but tell your, your current employer you're staying. So I think you've got to kind of try and be, be fair to, to all parties. But for how, you know, appointing his assistant manager and coaching staff has, has got to be within how's remit whether he appoints or how much you say he has in the technical director or director of football, it, it, it's completely different. You know, it, it's almost as if he's appointing po the guy above him, which is strange. I know football's a strange world, but it'd be strange for that to happen. Is he saying that he can only work under one director of football? Is that because he's experienced at, at Burnley? I don't know. Uh, but we all want it done sooner rather than later, but... You know, if I, I was either party, I'd be drawing a deadline at some point this week because it doesn't all go well statistically in recruitment uh, negotiations that drag out over a long period of time. It's probably something that's getting forced in than something that's kind of meant to be. Uh, and, you know, we need to either say, look, it's going to work or it's not. That's interesting. We're getting a, a bit of inside um, Jane on the recruitment world there, Natasha, from <laughs> Lawrence, who is a recruitment specialist. Uh, talking of recruitment, I mean, let's not forget, uh, and, and the one big reason I would like to get the manager in, as well as the fact that someone might try and pull the rug from under our feet, is that we need that manager to come in because of the, the huge task ahead of them in terms of the personnel, the, the assessment process. You know, we're, we've been speaking about even just the low knee situation, Natasha. You look at that 
that game the other night and we'll touch on it again whereby we've got two loanees playing right and left back um, and that's simply because we don't have enough players you know otherwise we'd have Anthony Ralston at right back the only other recognised right back right someone else uh, pulled me up for that saying surely we've got a youth player well tell me who it is because there isn't a youth player who's played that position for the first team and if the, the crop of um, the cream of the crop were, were played in January and that was the best that we've got then I don't have much hope that we've got a, a right back who could step in um, at this moment in time on the left hand side we've got Greg Taylor and Bolly Bollingoli when he comes back and when he's back to full fitness once uh, like Salt goes back to AC Milan if indeed he does go back but these kinds of decisions these, these need to be made by the incoming manager so for, for me it's imperative that without any other delay and the fact let's not kid on the fact that we've drawn Rangers in the Cup I mean the Cup is potentially our only hurrah this season Natasha we need to get a manager in who can assess this squad and decide who's staying and who, who are we going to cash in on over the, the summer months but also we need to try and win this trophy Absolutely um, you know it's sort of you know last chance of this season to gain any form of positivity so we have to be in the best position possible for that if I'm being realistic I'm not sure that even if we do get here we won't be coming in until the summer um, I'm concerned they would let this run on until the end of the season regardless um, with Kennedy in place as interim manager and it sort of you know raises the question now will Kennedy be here next season as well and um, there's been a lot of discussion about this um, whether Howe is in fact going to keep Kennedy and perhaps Strachan as part of the setup. Um, and for me the setup's just becoming a bit big there. Um, if we're talking about Celtic are already far down the line with Harkin, is he going to come in? Is Howe going to come in with Hughes as well? There's rumours that Howe also wants to bring in his own scouting people. He wants to. Keep, there's also the rumours that he's going to bring in people like Peter Grant and Bartley, and there's also rumours that he's going to keep Kennedy and Strachan. This is turning into a massive team. We can't have all these people in in the dugout. So who is it going to be? And I'm just starting to lean towards the position more that he will be retaining if he comes in. How would be looking to retain someone like John Kennedy? And before I've been, you know, sort of critical of John Kennedy on here a lot um, I fully think that he's equally as culpable for the disaster of this season, you know he has been on that training pitch and in that dugout for this season that's went so badly wrong but to play devil's advocate I'm actually going to give Kennedy a little bit of credit here you know he has been around for you know six trophy winning seasons yes this one has been a disaster yes I do It's the Marketer's Report this week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think he's culpable for some of it. But, you know, he's widely touted as a very good coach by, you know, a lot of top managers. He gets a glowing right up from all the players. And maybe, you know, with all the changes that are looming, the change of CEO, manager, backroom staff, captain, squad, we talked about Scott Brown as needing to stay to create that stability, somebody who gets the club, who can have that influence in the background. Mm. Maybe the feeling around the club and with her is that the person to do that role is Kennedy. So maybe there is a job for Kennedy in this backroom setup after all. And if there is, then maybe it's him who's assessing the squad right now um, and going to advise her and the team on that when they come in. So I am starting to lean towards the possibility that Kennedy does have a role here um, and that we will see him as part of the setup next season. I'm glad you brought that point up because uh, I think it's one that needs to be discussed. Now, John Kennedy is um, obviously surviving the Neil Lennon regime. Uh, we spoke after the game against Falkirk, the fact that um, all around the fact that John Kennedy has been in charge for four games. And in that time, we have had 97 shots at goal. Uh, and we have only scored, and let me double check this, five goals, three of which were, were against a team in the third tier of Scottish football. Uh, that's a slight concern. I, I would suggest that if you're scoring five goals and about 100 shots that uh, you, you've not got your shooting boots on. But I, I do actually take your point because John Kennedy is an interim manager. He stepped in because the manager who was in place was at a stage where it was untenable his position was untenable and and Kennedy has obviously learned over the period of um, you know Ronnie Dyla Brennan Rogers, Neil Lennon um, you know a, a way of approach approaching uh, setting up a team a way of um, approaching the, the style of a team and perhaps a culture but he's only been part of that so he's never been able to implement what yeah. he believes is a philosophy for Celtic Football Club whether or not his own philosophy matched with any of the three predecessors who knows but I think I was of the view Natasha that when Neil Lennon went so should uh, John Kennedy and Strachan have gone mm -hmm. that was my view at the time um, it might have been a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater style you know whereby it was just a rash decision had it been made and it was all about stabilising the ship and, and settling it all down until the new man comes in um, it does seem likely that there will be a role for, for John Kennedy now whether or not he goes away, and, and he's maybe at that stage now where I think he's, what, 38 now, where he's got loads of experience um, as you know a coach at Celtic. There might be an opportunity for him to move on. 
And, you know, I think in the past there was a suggestion that he was in line for the Hibs job when maybe Jack Ross got it. So maybe that would be better for for him from his own perspective. Um, Does he see himself as a Celtic manager in the future? Because, you know... I think you'd need to go away and prove yourself elsewhere if you've ever to be a Celtic manager. But I get it from the continuity. There's so many changes. And mm-hmm. we'd already said, I, I was saying, you know, we should keep Scott Brown for that very reason. Obviously, uh, those in power disagreed or Scott Brown disagreed himself. Um, is that continuity going to come from people like John Kennedy? Uh, Lawrence, when you look at the the past, you know, going through the, the boot room mentality of the club where ex-players um, were part of Jockstein's backroom team and it continued through Billy McNeil's time with John Clark obviously being his trusted aide. Um, I mean, that was broken up, I guess, when Liam Brady came in, but I always do feel that it's important to have a constant now, is that just me being over-sentimental? A lot of people will be in the comments, I'm sure, saying, no, you just need to get the best people in for the job. What's your thoughts on that, Lawrence? I think there's probably going to be a bit of a mix. You know, there's, there's going to be some continuity. It's just at, at which level. You don't clear out everyone because you, ch- yeah, you change manager. Surely as a club, we've now got to, especially after Brendan taking almost everyone, we must have put some kind of contingency plan saying, look, this is what changes and this is what we need to be ready for for future events. You know, if all the management staff leave in the future, how do we maintain some form of continuity? So I, I definitely think that there's a mix to be had. But going back to the point on of assessing squads, whether that's Ke- Kennedy's job just now, if the managers that we have interviewed, if that hasn't been part of the interview process, our interview process isn't right and it's not the right managers, because it shouldn't just be about the budget for them. They need to see what's there in a squad, what they can work of, and, and from that, say, well, this is what I can do with the budget and this is what I can achieve. Otherwise, if they're just saying, yeah, just give me a, you know, a budget of 20 million, don't really know what's in your squads, I haven't looked at it, but you know, the 20 million will, will so- solve everything. We're definitely speaking to the wrong people and we're, we're definitely conducting the wrong process. So I, I think anyone, whether it's, you know, how keen will have be, been watching videos, will have been looking at players, been asking for stats on players as part of this recruitment process. If it hasn't, you've got to really wonder what we've been doing for this period of time. Because if that's left out, is it all just about negotiation packages and who comes in, not knowing really what you're coming into? It, it, for me, that wouldn't make sense, and it would be the wrong way to do it. But, yeah, back to your question. Yeah, I think, you know, there could be a role for Kennedy. He seems to be highly thought of. Definitely Hamstracker and Lennon didn't work together. But just because he can't, didn't work as part of that three doesn't mean he couldn't work as part of another team like he did when Brendan was there. Good point. Now, you see, when we're looking at uh, assessing the squad, I, I was looking through, you know, right back to, to Neil Lennon's first time in charge. Now, you might disagree with some of this, but um, I always feel that there's an opportunity when a new manager comes in for one or several players to, you know, step back up to play. Guys who might have fallen out of favour, um, who look to be on their way out sometimes and I think that when Neil Lennon came in first time round um, at that stage although Tony Mowbray had made Scott Brown his captain I think we started seeing uh, the real Scott Brown under Neil Lennon first time round again open to uh, dis- people disagreeing with that um, and I think when Ronnie Dyla came in he improved a lot of players but the one that always springs to my mind is Callum McGregor McGregor was so far out the picture he had been loaned out I think for about 18 months to Notts County there was a suggestion that he would leave permanently Carlisle were interested in buying him uh, 
Ronnie Dyla puts him in a team and he develops under, and he continues to develop under Brennan Rodgers. Uh, the one player that I felt might have been surplus to requirements when Brennan Rodgers came in, but who proved me wrong was James Forrest at that stage. And I thought Forrest started really uh, being a, a main player for Celtic. What players at the moment who a lot of Celtic fans might have written off, Natasha, do you think the introduction of someone like Eddie Howe could revitalise? I mean, there's so many players there that obviously have been below par this season. Yeah, there's a few that spring to mind, but probably the one that comes into my head first is Mikey Johnston. Um, you know, we saw a year, be a year or so ago now, he started to look promising. He started to look like, you know, a great product of our youth system that was going to come through and really break into the first team and make an impact. And then, of course, he got his injury and then he just fell away. Um, mm. And I just wonder if Lennon wasn't the right manager to, to get the best out of him. And for someone who looked like they had so much potential, perhaps a better coaching setup, or someone who just works better with him, like you've talked about Dyla doing, someone who just clicks with Johnston to get the best out of him, I think he could become a real asset. So I'd be excited to see a new coaching setup work with Mikey Johnston. Um, we've said it regularly this season that one thing we are lacking is that cutting edge in the final third, you know, the real sort of out and out winger to go past the player. Obviously, losing Forrest through injury was disappointing. Then Johnston got injured as well. But if that is the role we're lacking, if we can sort of really develop Johnston into that role for next season, I think he could be a great option. So I look forward to seeing someone like him working under um, working under Howe as well. And like Lawrence has touched on, I think Howe will have a few of his own ideas lined up. You know, you're not getting this far into discussions without thinking ahead to next season and what you're going to do. Um, one of the big decisions for me that you'll have to make in terms of the squad is on Callum McGregor. Is he going to come in and keep him as his captain? Um, I think likely yes, but then there's also the rumour that he's going to bring his own ex-captain in and cook. Um, and again, I don't mind the idea. We've talked before on here about whether McGregor is the ideal candidate for the captain's role, and I'm not entirely sure he is. I'm not sure that his qualities align with what we would be looking for in a captain, um, or certainly the roles of the captains we've seen in the past. And I'm not sure, really, that it's something McGregor thrives under. And I think for me, it's important, again, we've touched on it in terms of the backroom staff, that Howe has his own men around him. Um, I think that that's just important for us hitting the ground running next season. Um, and that's both off the pitch in terms of, you know, his number two, being able to choose that himself, and um, the people around about him and his coaching team, but also the people on the pitch. You know, with such a big rebuild exercise on on the horizon, I do want how to be bringing in people that he wants um, or that he's worked with before. Um, just, I think that that'll lead to more cohesion going into the summer and then we can hit the ground running more easily next season. So if he does want to bring his, some of his ex-players or players that he's worked with before and with him and perhaps make one of them his new captain, not something I'd be totally opposed to. You know, when you, you think back, I think, uh, you know, Rogers brought in a couple of guys that uh, he had known from previous yeah. clubs. He'd worked with Sinclair, obviously. And, um, you know, it does work because you know what you're getting with that. And it gives you, as a manager, the familiarity. It's an interesting point around uh, Johnson because, like everyone else, you know, since uh, Howe's been linked to Celtic, I've done all the, the usual, you know, watching all the interesting coaches' voices, videos, etc., reading all the in depth, long form articles. And it would seem that 
Eddie Howe does like the, the wide men. He likes to, to utilise yeah. wide players, Natasha. So that's an interesting one because it's an important season this season for Mikey Johnson, isn't it? I mean, I know he's been hamstrung with the injury uh, and all that, but he's completely fallen away from the first-team squad. So it's maybe good timing for, for Mikey Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, when, when we're looking at that situation with players being developed, Lawrence, it's one of the things that you know was a big criticism, I think, um, of many Celtic fans towards Neil Lennon, was that he didn't develop a lot of the kind of younger talent. I've heard some people saying the same about Eddie Howe, but you know when you look at uh, his record, there, there certainly were players, maybe not all coming through the, the Bournemouth setup, but players that he brought in, developed and sold on at Bournemouth as well. So is that a concern for you? Yeah, <sighs> No. I think it's yeah, getting a winning team on the park uh, and whether that's developing a, a purchasing developing's preferable to, to buying in when it's cheaper and it allows us to uh, have a kind of longer term plan I think how if he likes to work with wingers it's something we've not really had this season I think it's something Lenny asked for at the beginning, beginning of the season two wingers to, to come in and it, it wasn't delivered by either a a recruitment policy or a CEO, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Who could they revitalise? It could probably revitalise Callum McGregor because I don't think Callum's had the best of seasons. Or if we look out on loan, what about Shred and and Jack Henry that they've been getting great results where they've been? And if, if that would be an example of us using the loan system to, to the best effect, you know, I, I think everybody was excited when we, we, we signed Shred. You know, he had a good goal scoring and assist record. Uh, questionable attitude and training when he got here. Questionable attitude and training when he went out and loan. But you know, his loan manager said that he, you know he, he had a frank conversation with him, and it seems to have adjusted Schwed's attitude. Could he come back with a the better attitude and, and better application and training that's going to allow him to get a first team start or be in the first team squad? It's all to play for. For I think everyone in that squad, because. Uh, Who's performed at the level we'd expected them to perform this season? Or who's outperformed? Welsh maybe has outperformed uh, the level we'd expected. Anyone else has performed better than we have? Perhaps Taylor. I think he's been solid and good assist records. You're struggling after that. Who's at the the level they should have hit, or who's went beyond the level they should have should have hit? Honourable mention for David Turnbull, I think, Lawrence. But yeah, you're right. You're spot on. There's a lot of players there that um, didn't really reach the heights you would have expected. But interestingly enough, on the Callum McGregor question, um, Brennan Rogers has been linked again with Callum McGregor. Rogers has come in. Uh, he appeared on the Robbie Fowler podcast. Um, so he obviously, you know, avoided Axom and went straight to Robbie Fowler instead. But um, he spoke about his departure from Celtic. He spoke about a, a number of things which were quite interesting. But he is apparently back in for Callum McGregor and also Odson Edward. Now, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that um, Edward's on his way. It's probably the right time for the player. Um, unfortunately, we won't get what we thought we were maybe going to get a year ago, I don't think. But that's you know more to do with the, the current financial climate than anything else, I think, Natasha. But, you know, Callum McGregor, if someone like Brennan Rogers was to come in for him, you know, I thought the unthinkable was Tierney leaving Celtic. I then thought it was unlikely that Brown would leave. You know, I thought he was going to finish his career at Celtic. Do you honestly see Callum McGregor in somebody else's jersey? 
we might have to get used to the possibility. I didn't think I'd ever have to imagine Scott Brown leaving Celtic and joining another Scottish team. I thought that was definitely out with the realms of possibility. But here we are. We will have to face that next season. Will we have to face similar with McGregor? It's entirely possible. Um, I think it's going to be up to Callum. He either goes down one path now, which is that a new manager comes in, makes him his captain, and he signs up to another couple of years at Celtic, and that's and that's it. Um, or he sees now is the right time to, to make this move down south and really test himself. You know, he might be looking at players like Armstrong and, and how well he's doing at the moment and thinking, this is my chance to give that a crack. Will it come up again if I don't move now? Maybe not. So I think a lot of it might be up to Callum. Um, and equally, if the situation arises that we previously discussed and that Howe comes in with his own captain or a player lined up to be captain... Would that turn McGregor's head and think, maybe this is out for me, maybe it is time for me to to pursue something else if he's not getting signed up to that role? Maybe. I think largely it's going to be down to Callum. I'm sure he will have, you know, pretty quickly we'll be having discussion with the new manager who comes in. You know, he is, to all intents and purposes, the captain now. I'm sure if Brown is having this discussion with the new manager coming in, McGregor would be heavily involved in that. Um, given Brown's outgoing status. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think during those discussions, McGregor will probably decide his own future. Um, and to be honest, yeah, I can see it going one of two ways. I can picture him moving down to Leicester to work with Rodgers. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it'll depend on where he sees his career going now because I think he's at a bit of a crossroads um, and it could be his time to time to depart. Uh, interesting times, you know. As you say, I never ever thought I would be uh, watching an Aberdeen side that uh, potentially are captained by Scott Brown, with maybe even Lee Griffiths up front. We'll need to see how that one pans out. But um, you know, Brennan Rogers, the fact that he may well be interested in these players is making me go back to the original point: get Eddie Howe in right now, because he might actually change the minds of some of these guys. You know, the other player. <laughs> Um, that I was reading about this morning on Callum McFadden's blog was um, Kasaya. Lee Clark managed them at Kilmarnock. He's basically saying this is a boy who could walk right into the, the Premiership in England. So there is going to be interest in players like that. And as you say, Natasha, some of them are going to be looking at their own cycle at Celtic and thinking, I'm coming to the end of my time here and it's time to make that move before I get stale. Um, also, we, we can't get fooled again. We can't be in a situation two or three months down the line where two or three players want to move and we convince them to stay and... Yeah. You know, they're just not firing on all, on all cylinders. Now, uh, Lawrence, I'm going to ask you that I mentioned Lee Griffiths, and again, he is heavily linked to Aberdeen. 30 years of age, uh, a natural-born goal, goal scorer, probably our best goal scorer at, at the club. Um, with regards to, to Griffiths, he played the other night. Uh, he was misfiring, I've got to say, against Falkirk, uh, probably because of a lack of match sharpness uh, you know, not so much match fitness, but match sharpness. He just didn't have that sharpness about him. Um, does he have a future at Celtic, uh, Lawrence? And if not, shouldn't we be to you know trying out players like Ayeti to see if he is going to be part of uh, Celtic next season? For, for me, Griff to Aberdeen. What could Aberdeen afford to pay? One and a half, two million. What are you going to get up front for next season for one and a half, two million? It's going to have the capability early Griffiths. So is it? For me, I think he would have a future, whether it's as a first-team starter or a striker that's coming off the bench. I, I, I think we're really short up front. 
yeah, I'd like to see a yet to get more game time between now and the end of the season uh, uh, and see what's actually there. When he first came in, he scored a few goals. He was almost one and two at Bal, which is uh, some time ago. It's almost as far back ago as Lee Griffiths' 40 goal season. So, yeah, it's we, we need to see what's up front uh, and what we've got, but I can't see the, the sense and let Griffiths go for a million or two. When you could, I, I just think it'd be, we'd be better keeping him and what he'd give us from the bench or as part of the squad's going to be worth a lot more than that million or two, especially when it looks like Eddie's out the door. Polish Paddy, who knows, and a Yeti's, we don't know if he's going to cut it or not. So that's a, a forward line just now, isn't it? Uh, or forward department of four forwards. We're definitely losing one, and we're unsure of two of them. So on that basis, Keith Griff. See, the big thing for me, the way you're talking there, I don't disagree with that, Lawrence. Yeah, you're right. You're talking about a deal probably for one and a half, two million. You could never replace the goals that, that Griffiths gives you with that kind of money, Natasha. But when you're looking at the value of Lee Griffiths or even Olivier and Cham, who I guess will be um, showing the door at Celtic, Tom Rogic, the guys, th- th- these players' values have dropped dramatically from where we were maybe this time last year. Massively, yeah, absolutely. I think I probably disagree with Lawrence actually on this. I think it's time to let Griffiths go. Um, even if that is getting one or two million and let's put it towards whoever Eddie Hare wants his striker to be. Um, Griffiths is unlikely to want to sit on a bench um, and get a little bit of time here and there. He probably sees him getting more game time at Aberdeen and fancies the move himself. Um, and like we've already touched on, we can't afford to keep players who don't want to be here. Um, it didn't work out for us last season and it won't work out for us if we do it again this season um, if Griffiths wants to go to Aberdeen I don't want to put the brakes on that um, and have an even unhappier Lee Griffiths around the club um, getting a bit of you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there I think we're as well cutting our losses on that one and yes the value might be low, it might only be a million if Aberdeen can even afford that um, but I would let him go um, like he didn't bring us very much this season. He's not showed me any signs that he's getting back to the goal scorer that we think he can be. Um, cut our losses, take what we can get for him and look towards putting that towards a new striker. Yeah, and uh, I suggested, although uh, our colleague Colin Watt totally disagreed with this one, that uh, it might be a make for the Lewis Ferguson deal that has been mooted. Um, he seems to divide a, opinion among Celtic supporters, uh, but I think that we have for too long kind of overlooked the Scottish talent. And I think when you look at the impact that David Turnbull's had this season, there are talented players out there. You've just got to look at the, the Scotland squad. You've got to look at some of the players have gone down south and made a big impact that we could have had for, I'm not going to say a pittance, but certainly when you compare it to the value uh, of the likes of John McGinn now, we could have had him for three million quid. I mean, so I, I don't this, I don't agree with Colin on, on the Lewis Ferguson one, and I could see that being a good deal for both parties if we use Lee Griffiths in that way. Yeah, no, I would, that would be a deal that suits me. Um, I would be quite interested in seeing Lewis Ferguson coming in. If you look around the league, um, you know, not looking any wider than the Scottish League, if you look around the Scottish League right now, the most natural replacement for Scott Brown may be Lewis Ferguson. Um, and again, you'd hate to have another saga like someone like McGinn um, or even Hickey and look at these young players going off to to England or abroad and feel like you've missed out on that again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see Celtic miss out on another one. Um, so if there is any interest in Ferguson coming to Celtic and Griffiths going the other way, then 
yeah, that would definitely be something that interests me. Look how well Turnbull's done since he's come in. I don't see why Ferguson couldn't have the same sort of impact. And in terms of the Scottish player thing, I think we need to find the right balance um, between players like, you know, perhaps in midfield with McGregor and Turnbull and Ferguson and that type of player. And if we just sort of enhance that with, you know, the sort of other type of player, if we're talking like that, if we're looking at players like El Yunusi and Edward and Ayer, mm. so if we have a sort of blend of these good Scottish players who are going to be great for us and also some of these players who we might have to get in on loan or players like Ayer who we bring in younger develop them, give them game time here and then sell them on for a higher value. So if we have a model that balances both of that well, I think that's what we need to try and look at doing for next season. And Ferguson could certainly help come in and fill that quota of the, the Scottish player that we're looking for. Mm. Yeah, I would I would welcome him. I think he's a, an excellent talent, one for the, the here and now, not so much the future as well. Uh, Jake Ryan, welcome to the show. You're commenting on YouTube and you can comment on YouTube, Facebook or Twitter. If you are on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe. We are growing the channel uh, on a daily basis. Uh, you say that Eddie Howe isn't even Bookie's favourite anymore. Should we be worried or have the bookies made a big mistake? Who's worried, Jake? Who's worried? Uh, McGrory, <laughs> keep having that sinking feeling. Lowell's doing his usual haggling over a fiver and how will walk away. That is a slight concern. Uh, Jonathan Brown, the longer how takes to be confirmed, the more doubts I have. There's a wee thread developing here um, in relation to uh, the Eddie Howe deal getting over the line and Jake Ryan, Skybet, Kennedy, 8-11, to how uh, odds on, 1-1. And when you look at the situation that we are in with how and the concern that's creeping in, uh, Kaplan Mark, are we in danger of messing this whole appointment up? Very concerned. I'll go back to the situation with Dermot Desmond. And again, he comes in for a lot of criticism. He gave a, a rare interview fairly recently, uh, just the other week there. Not so much in the eye of the storm of the Celtic fans, but in the aftermath of uh, the fury uh, amongst the Celtic fans this season. He, he's given an interview, and I'm kind of inclined to, to suggest that he would probably gave it because Brian Dempsey rattled his cage and he came out and gave an interview. Um, and I, I sometimes, you know... I say sometimes, I think back to that flag, that banner that the Green Brigades put out about being asleep at the wheel, you know, in the picture of Dermot Desmond and Peter Lowell. So asleep at the wheel. And, you know, Celtic not strengthening from a position of strength. No, when we're on top, when we're dominating. And that's when we should be making these uh, changes and making sure that the structure's in place and we're working on a philosophy and a culture. And it seems to only happen when, um, you know, the wheels fall off the bus. And that's exactly what's happening at the moment. Now, the, the the way that someone like Dermot Desmond uh, can obviously alleviate these fears is making sure, making sure that the deal is done. And someone might come in and say that's not how it works in a PLC and the board, etc., etc. Now, what I would say to that is, you know, who are you trying to kid? We know who makes the decisions at Celtic. You, you tell me a board member that, that makes any decisions at Celtic. You know, it, it's all down to the two men in charge of the club who are uh, the decision makers really and they can influence uh, the rest of the guys that make up the numbers that, that, that's the way I've always viewed it so if Dermot Desmond is, is, is serious uh, about you know coming in and making making a big statement surely Lawrence he's the man that needs to, to push this one through and make sure it happens I, I think so he's done it before with Neil and Rogers hasn't he, he, he when he's in it so I think everybody knows Desmond 30-odd percent, but he's got the, the financial institutions behind him, so, yeah. 
although he's not the majority, in effect, he is, and he, he makes the decisions, and the CEO's there, and they run the club for him, so he's not having to run it day to day. Hopefully, appoints the right guy, and he doesn't. We don't get this stage again where he's having to intervene in a management appointment. But yeah, it's up to Desmond. Will he be more minded? The rumours are his son's joining the, the board with the changes in Holland and Belgium leagues. He's pulled out the Atlantic League, so uh, the straight access to Champions League for next season's champions. Perhaps he sees uh, this is a time where he can get a better return if he was to uh, do the unusual and invest some of his cash into the business as an investment rather than just buying, you know, uptaking a new share issue, increasing his shareholding. But I think it is down to him. You know, if he, if he doesn't do it, you've got to ask, well, what, what role was he playing? When you look at the situation that we're in, Natasha, the fact that the fans need uh, positive news to come in, and obviously Dominic Mackay coming in early is positive news. Uh, on the horizon, there's always this uh, situation with regards to renewing season tickets, and surely the club, in fact, of course they do. They know that this is really hinging on, and I don't mean a, a marquee signing, I don't mean a high-profile manager, because I'm not interested in Eddie Howe because he's a high-profile manager. I'm impressed in his approach to the game. I'm impressed with his ambition, uh, his philosophy, the, the way that he uh, wants to challenge himself. It sounds as though every interview that I've read or heard from ex-players who have worked under him, he's the first in in the morning, the last to leave at night. He's a 24-7 manager. Um, and I think that's what Celtic needs. Yeah, I mean, like everyone else, um, I watched the YouTube videos, I watched documentaries, I read the interviews about him. You know, the accolades he gets are outstanding. Um from people who know a lot about football. And you look at, you know, Jorgen Klopp's previously come out and said he's one of the best coaches that he's um, that he's seen in the game. I mean, for someone like that to give you that kind of accolade is a big deal. Um, players that he's worked with, coaches that he's worked with, they all talk very highly of them. Um, I'm going to caveat that, caveat that and say, so does everyone who's worked with John Kennedy. Um, but no, but I think... The people who are talking about how are the people you stand up and listen to and take notice of when it comes to football. Um, and I think the, the board just need to look at or the club need to recognise the good feeling gathered in the Celtic fans on Friday afternoon when this announcement started to look imminent. You know, the fans were excited again. There was a bit of positivity. You know, we all just have to look at our own social media pages. There's a buzz about, you know, when this sort of announcement was looking like it was on the horizon. And that buzz has been missing all season. Um, it's been flat and miserable. And now, you know, the thoughts of someone like how coming in has given everyone this lift. The board needs to capitalise on that. The absolute last thing they can afford to do is get this wrong and for this to slip, let this slip. If we don't appoint how after all of this, I think all the good feeling gathered with the thought of how will actually reverse and go further back than it was before we started thinking about getting her in. Um, the disappointment would be well on a par with all the disappointment we suffered this season to be honest but I think there's a serious risk of how damaging this could be if they don't get this deal across the line now after all of this build up. You're right, you know the circumstances we're in at the moment, if and I say a big if because I'm going to try and remain positive on this one because there's no other way to be, is there really? You, you can't imagine a situation where this doesn't actually happen and, and um, as is suggested by Pat O, Eddie Howe might defect to China. Um, I mean, we never know what's going through anyone's minds. We know that money can be a massive motivator for individuals but at 43 and with his managerial record as it stands, um, he, I think, as a manager, 
isn't at that stage, is he? You know, he's not at the stage where you know Rafa Benitez had won in various countries European trophies, for example, um, or you know Slavin Bilic had managed for years in the top flight English football. These guys have gone to China, and let's be honest, they've gone there for the money. They've just basically gone there, and you get the impression that as soon as an opportunity arose again in English football, they would come back. So they're over there just for the money. Um, it's a nice wee stepping stone until they get an opportunity to come back to English football. I don't think Eddie Howe is there. I don't know the guy personally. You're, just, you're trying to read through the lines. You're reading the interviews. You're listening to ex-players talking about him. And I certainly hope he's not at that stage. Um, and... You know, if it does happen, Natasha, it will be a group chat message to see who wants to come in for an emergency bulletin as I'm driving <laughs> into my work at seven o'clock in the morning. Um, Paul Cockwell um, is talking about he would love Griffiths at Hibs. Paul, of course, is a Hibs fan, but don't think we can afford him. It would be good, Griff and Nisbet up front. The situation with Lee Griffiths, it's, a, it's an interesting one time-wise as well. Um looking at Bernadette who totally agrees with Natasha Griff has to go and the situation with Griff there's another really good point coming up here Uh, McGrory reckons that he might come back to haunt us yeah absolutely that would be one of my fears Um, but we're looking here we go it's Mark Bradley looking at the wages Griff would prefer to sit on a bench for 18 grand a week than play for an an Aberdeen at 5k a week now there is a situation here Mark where Ordinarily, I would agree with that, and I think that's just the way modern football. Um, and we all know, uh, you know, the situation with it being a short career, and you've got to really uh, make hay while the, the sun shines, etc. We all know that. But I think Griffiths is in a situation at the moment where he's out of favour for Scotland. Whereas, you know, he worked so hard to get into the plans under Gordon Strachan. And, you know, Lawrence earlier on mentioned that uh, pivotal season where he scores 40 goals five years ago now under Ronnie Dyla and Gordon Strachan didn't want to play him for Scotland. He was the best striker that we had and he was struggling for goals. Scotland was struggling for goals. He eventually breaks in. He has that memorable situation where he scores the two goals against England. Uh, two incredible goals. The only Scottish player that could have scored those two goals, I think, at that time. So when he's looking ahead and he's looking at probably a once in a lifetime opportunity for him to play at a major finals for Scotland, he needs to be playing games. So he would need to weigh up the 18k a week that undoubtedly he's getting at Celtic and, and the wage drop that he would be getting at Aberdeen. He would need to, I guess, look at how they could structure a deal. Are they able to structure it in so far as, you know, Johnny Hayes was able to go back to Aberdeen? Um, and take a wage cut so there's, there's ways of structuring deals uh, where that's been offset so they're going to actually have to pay him double wages next season but Lee Griffiths would need to look at this from a professional perspective does he want to play for Scotland in the finals of a major tournament because if it doesn't happen this year it never will for Lee Griffiths he's 30 years of age he's only got one year left on his deal um, at Celtic so he could be saying well where will I be in a year's time Um albeit the club won't have to pay a transfer fee um, how can he negotiate a deal at 31 he's a year older he's maybe not had much football the, you know next season with Celtic so although I take Mark's point on this one Natasha, Natasha I think if he's got any ambition Lee Griffiths probably should be looking elsewhere yeah absolutely and it's hard, you know you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes but I think if I was Lee Griffiths at this stage of my career with the Scottish you know issue on the horizon and wanting to get back into that squad 
I would be moving. Um, yes, of course, he's going to get a higher wage at Celtic, but this is probably his last chance to get game time again, his last chance to get into a major tournament in Scotland. I think he would regret it if he didn't move now, um, which is why I think he will be pushing for, for this move to Aberdeen. And like I've touched on before, if he wants to go, let him go. Um, you know, similarly to players like Hayes and Gordon, they just wanted to play football again. Um, and I think Griffiths is more likely to be like that as well, to be honest. Um, I think he'd rather take the wage cut, go to Aberdeen and get more game time. I think Gordon's a good example as well. Natasha, you know, he's a, he's a player that last season we could have been, this season rather, I'm already writing it off by calling it last season. This season, uh, you, we could have been doing with a, with a Craig Gordon. You still see his ability, again, talking about Scotland. Lawrence, is Scotland such a big pool? Surely playing at the finals of a major tournament will be uh, at the forefront of Lee Griffiths' mind when any decision is made. Yeah, I think it'll play part of it, but it's, it's also Lee's last ever deal, isn't it? Whatever he decides. Does he go to Aberdeen and drop to 5k or does he think, you know, I can speak to the new manager, whoever it's going to be, I can have an impact at Celtic and at the end of this season I can sign a last deal as a free agent and increase what I'm going to get for the future. Scotland, we aren't awash with striking talent. You know, if he's coming off the bench and scoring regularly for, for us or if he think, believes enough in his own ability to think, well, Eddie's gone. I don't rate Polish Paddy and I don't, don't rate a Yeti. So, starting place is mine now, you know, unless they bring in a big name, but at least I'm going to be, minimum I'm going to be his number two, that's enough for me to get back in the team. Or is it playing for an Aberdeen team that it won't get as many goal-scoring chances? Is it all playing for Celtic, playing, you know, coming off the bench and scoring or potentially starting and playing in Europe? Then at the end of the season, they get to negotiate a deal as a free agent. So there's a lot of things for, for Lee to, to, to weigh up. And I suppose it's ha- having a, a luxury of chatting with whoever the new guy is going to be and seeing where he fits into the plans so if the new guy walks in and goes Lee listen not my plans at all it's, well it's an easy decision for Lee then isn't it whereas if the new guy walks in and says well look this is where I see you you're rolling the team either number one or number two striker it's a harder decision for Lee, Lee to leave then I, I would say oh it, it is it is it's got to be better than number one at Aberdeen when, when you're, you're mentioning uh, chances created, I've already touched on the fact that we've created, on average, about 25 chances a game under John Kennedy. I think the average is probably closer to 20 a game uh, across the season. A striker like Lee Griffiths, if he was playing 40 games a season, would score you goals. Simple as that. I mean, he's not been his fittest this season, which has been one of the biggest issues physically um, fit, that is. And, you know, he's just not been in. And he's never got started this season. Um, had he been firing on all cylinders, I'm talking about the Craig Gordon, it's all ifs, buts and may- maybes from, from day one this season. We could have been having a different conversation entirely. But, you know, this is an interesting point from Maravchik25 on YouTube. On the training ground at 6.30am preparing. That's Eddie Howe. Now, I think if you compare and contrast that to some of the issues we've seen with Lee Griffiths this season, we won't go into them, but it's all around lifestyle and, and uh, preparation and, and, you know, taking your, your own body and physical um, situation seriously. Uh, in the modern day, that that should be a given for a, a professional footballer. You know, you might have got away with that even ten years ago, but not now. You, you hear stories about even under Martin O'Neill that being quite a relaxed scenario. And when Gordon Strachan came in, and Strachan is notoriously um, a fitness freak, and they were talking about double sessions, and Chris Sutton straight away said, "You know, I know my own body. I don't need to be doing this." Um, 
you know, situations where Roy Keane comes in and Big John Hartson's eating packets of crisps on the team bus and drinking fizzy juice and all that kind of stuff, full fat juice, all that kind of stuff. You know, we take it for granted is because we're not athletes, but. Uh, I don't think Lee Griffiths is fully bought into that lifestyle. And if someone like Brendan Rodgers comes in, that'll be a shock to him, uh, as it was with a few players, I think. And then when someone like Eddie Howe comes in, again, I just don't think Lee Griffiths would fit that mould. You know, how good would he be at Aberdeen? I think he would be a phenomenal signing for a team like Aberdeen. Coming back to haunt you, yeah, we've had plenty of strikers in the past. You know, in my day, it was always Tommy Coyne. Tommy Coyne was always scoring for Motherwell every time he played them um, and he was a striker that we let go for about 300 grand or something like that um, now last week uh, Natasha we were talking to um, the Celtic FC women's team and it sparked my own interest and obviously there was a big game it was live on Sunday women's football is getting far more coverage and uh, not before time I think you know in five and ten years time it's just going to be another fixture that's, that's on the broadcasting list you know it's going to be who Celtic women's playing I think that's where we're going and I think that's all for uh, for the best I think you tuned in on Sunday didn't you against Glasgow City it didn't really live up to expectations though unfortunately I did yeah it was frustrating um, I think you know the team and Fran Alonso himself will acknowledge that the performance wasn't great Um but, you know, there's there's circumstances to be taken into consideration. You know, they haven't played a competitive match in nearly five months now, and I know the same will apply for Glasgow City as well. Um, the conditions were absolutely awful. I don't know if anyone else watched it, but it was not prime conditions for a game of football. Um, but it was absolutely excellent to see them back out there playing competitively again. And this is always going to be a tough match. You know, Glasgow City have won 13 leagues in a row. They have been relatively unchallenged. Um but I think, you know, Celtic and Rangers as well are getting closer now. Um, it has become a bit more contested. So while, you know, this is always going to be a tough game for them, I think they're certainly going to be there or thereabouts, you know, looking at this season, next season um, and the coming seasons. And it's brilliant. Um, it's brilliant to see women's football being competitive in Scotland. And it's brilliant to see the, the media and other broadcasters supporting it. You know, the new highlight show on a Sunday by Sports Scene is absolutely excellent. Um, the more... We have podcasts talking about it. Like you say, Paul, it's just going to become another fixture that we mentioned. It's going to be another game to discuss. Um, and it's good that it's getting that way. Um, and the more that that happens, the more the game grows and the better it gets. Um, so, yeah, very positive And I think um, definitely taking steps in the right direction. And a lot of people should be looking out for the games that come up on BBC Alba. Tune in, have a watch um, and let's help the game grow. I think so. I mean, obviously Celtic have gone professional. You know, it's a professional football team we have. Um, if you come second, I think you also uh, qualify for the Champions League uh, in Scotland this season. So, although you know Glasgow City are very strong, as are Rangers. Rangers are strong this season as well. Celtic are still in and about it. There's plenty of fixtures left. And if they get into the Champions League, it's a great advert for Celtic. It's a great advert for Scottish football. You look at the next generation. You know, it's not just your boy who might be a footballer, your girl might be a, a professional. It's brilliant. I think it's fantastic. I'm I'm buying right into it. Uh, Lawrence, there is a fixture this weekend. We are coming up against Livingston. And, you know, games like that, I look at games like that now and I just think we should definitely be using them as an assessment process. We, we've got to be assessing the players. And whilst we don't have the manager in place, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, you know, John Kennedy is constantly assessing the players. I feel John Kennedy's played it a bit safe since he took over. Yeah, definitely. It hasn't changed too much up. up as I mean, not even start to 
uh, and the other game two up top. It, it was his opportunity to really have a look at strikers, see what's going to work. It, it, it's very same. He may say some of that's down to the personnel he's got. He's disposable. You know, he, he's, he's playing what he can because th- that's what he's got. We, we don't have a lot of width. It was good to see Jamesy back and having an immediate impact. You know, probably the best player in the park. But we looked a bit a different team because he does give you that width. Yeah. Which has been a big problem for us, and it's probably why we can get you know a hundred shots over four games, and such a low return for it because we don't have the width. We're not stretching the park, so our shots are coming from distance. You know that they're coming from outside the box. The majority of shots, and it's it's maybe down to you know not having that width in the team, and maybe kind of saying, well, I don't think Johnson's up to it. I've got James in now; he can play wide. Who else is really a wide player in there? So perhaps that's why he's playing it so safe, but. For me, you know, I don't know what he's gained by playing Scott Brown the other night. No, yeah, I agree with that. You know, he's decided to move on. Brilliant. Mm. You know, it's Falkirk. <laughs> you know, surely it's get Sorrell, get him some more game time, see what he can mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Change the formation. You know, two up top, he could have went 4 4 2. But yeah, it was just all all very samey, which has been di- probably one of the biggest disappointments. It is, it's very, you're right, he's played it safe, you know, so f- for me, between now and the end of the season, Natasha, I, I agree with Lawrence, let's get Sorrow in, in there, um, let's make sure that Mikey Johnson's there or thereabout, because he seems to have just dropped off the face of the planet at the moment, as has near Beaton, so I'm pretty sure he'll be off in the summer, he's still at the club at the moment, um, he just seems not to get a mention, um, but that would give you a bit more of a width with, with Johnson if he was to make an appearance with, with Forrest on, on the right, I thought Forrest was a, uh, one of the, the, the best players on the park the other night um, and I think El Yanusi, Ayeti um, the, that type of play we need to assess are they going to be around next season and I think you've also got to, to make a decision on the goalie on Barkas I mean what is the point in playing being at this moment in time uh, other than just giving the guy game time because you want to win the game let's assess the goalkeeper situation can Barkas have a future I don't think he can but you know if he doesn't play the next half a dozen games or so um, and there is a goalie in there we won't know about it because we're not even giving him a game you know and give him a game of, you know, behind a settled defence something that he didn't have the luxury of um, how do you think it will go against Livy is he going to play it safe Natasha are we going to get a, a resounding uh, result because let's be honest you know we need to start getting some results together before we play Rangers in the Cup yeah, to be honest, I think everything that we've seen suggests that he is going to play it safe. I don't think he wants to rock the boat too much. Um, and I think we will see a very similar lineup than, than we have seen in previous weeks under Kennedy. Um, and I think he will have the, the cup game in mind if he tries to keep a bit of a settled squad getting results until then maybe he'll see it as not the time to start introducing new players to assess them and in his defence you know Kennedy sees these players every day in training you know he can assess them to a degree there you know you've got Stevie Wood he'll see Barkas every day he'll know what he's capable of and of course it's not the same as a match day situation but it does give them an idea of what these players have and the ability that they have um, so it's not like we're not they're not seeing them at all we're just not seeing them um, um, so I think for me, I'm probably thinking that Kennedy's going to go for a more settled lineup and try and create a bit of consistency um, in the run-up to the Cup game. But equally, from a personal point of view, I think I would like to assess some of the squad, but we just have to accept that they are doing that. They're assessing them behind the scenes, and it's just simply that we're not seeing it. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting as it always is and we'll be covering it on Axom One final point before we go Ian Clark, thank you for getting in touch My uncle Tommy Coyne I've got great memories of Tommy Coyne, I really do I mean, th- he was a young player who started off with Clyde Bank His manager at that time was Sammy Henderson Sold him to Dundee United Jim McLean, the legendary Jim McLean Bought him for Dundee United Didn't quite work out, went to Dundee Became a goal machine Tommy Coyne was a goal machine and I remember when Celtic signed him for half a million quid what a signing uh, but he didn't play for a great Celtic side unfortunately but I've got some great memories of Tommy Coyne Ian so thanks for sharing that with us um, thanks everybody for getting involved on YouTube um, and on Facebook and Twitter and we will be back tomorrow at 12.30 unless of course there is a, an announcement and then we'll need to dive back on and, and uh, have a, an emergency broadcast. But uh, all that's left for me to say in the meantime is thank you, Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko, uh, for once again joining us on A Celtic State of Mind. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.